The money in the bank is finally coming into form. There's a new world champion crown. We'll see what kind of effect it has on the business and why there won't be any backlash to a certain decision made by WWE. It's the Double Turn Podcast, which starts right now. I'll tell you who's going to have some backlash. The people that decided to uh, row me up before the show. It's quite the discussion we were having, and I was not yelling at all. It's the Double Turn Wrestling Podcast. Boss Ross and the returning J-Man from uh, his excursion of uh, near-death sickness. J-Man, how are you, sir? I mean, can you tell how I sound? I mean, I, sound, I mean, I can. I sound, you're not. Uh, you're not as crisp as usual. That's true. But that's okay. I appreciate the fact that you're saying that I sound crisp nine times out of ten. I, that's very kind of you. I'll take that as a compliment. Well, I mean, we're not talking like and apple crisp dessert. <laughs> not even back for uh, 32 seconds. <laughs> I love how he was already ready for me to bury him with Triple H's golden shovel that hit him in the face a couple of weeks ago for his allergies. Ah, uh, yes. It's yes. uh, actually what happened. The, Your the, boy, the golden Triple shovel H. came back. Yes. It hit Andres in the face. Right. Hit Natalie in the face. That sounds like abuse. Oh, yeah, no. Then it hit Santiago in the ear, and then it finally finished me off. Wow. And now I'm here. That is a lot of burials. It is. What can I say? Yeah, exactly. I know. Good to have you back, sir. Feels Double good Turn to be back, brother. Thank is, you. Uh, or I should say, the show, the Double Turn Wrestling Podcast, not the same without you. I, uh, I held it down for us last week. You did but, a wonderful job, as always, my friend. But I am glad to have you back. We do, as always, have a ton to talk about. We, of course, have news. We have our three count. We have match segment show of the week. Man, we have a got, we've got a lot of news, too. We also have a top five that deals with money in the bank. We've got a couple of weeks until that pay-per-view, so we're actually going to have two top five money in the bank themed uh, slots here for the next couple of weeks. So, we're looking forward uh, to that. It's, it's, it's kind of our favorite thing when we do because we get to have the discussions. We get to hear each other's opinions. We get to go ahead and tell each other how stupid each other's opinions are. It's great. Money in the Bank is uh, pretty high up there when it comes to my favorite pay-per-views. I'm with um, you there. As much as I am fully against match-themed pay-per-views, mm-hmm. uh, this one, because it was at WrestleMania for a long time, uh, they decided to make it its own pay-per-view. I was very much against it. However, it's kind of grown on me, and now with this new placement of it right after WrestleMania, I actually find it to be a little refreshing. It's kind of helps the... Hey, WrestleMania is the end of the year. Money in the Bank, somebody gets a title shot by winning the match. It's at least far enough away from SummerSlam where I can actually believe someone may cash in at SummerSlam. There's lots more possibilities. Of course, uh, you can cash in all the way through WrestleMania. So that's the whole year thing Mm -hmm. that, that some of the winners have actually chosen to do. It's very exciting. And most importantly, it's not as predictable as most of the pay per views. From WWE for the year because you really don't know who they're going to pick. I realize some years are a little bit easier to pick, but this one's a little more on the unpredictable scale, at least for me. I'm totally with you on that. It also has basically become a big five pay-per-view, not just, you know, we all know the big four pay-per-views. It's WrestleMania, SummerSlam, the Royal Rumble, and Survivor Series. To an extent, Money in the Bank has eclipsed Survivor Series over the past few years. Which is tragic, by the way. It is but... tragic, but at the same time, that good for Money in the Bank because it's really become a own staple i mean even for the past couple of years um money in the bank became a big pay-per-view weekend because nxt threw in the past two years an nxt takeover special the night before money in the bank we had nxt takeover um well it was nxt takeover chicago Mm -hmm. last year i can't remember if nxt if money in the bank took place in chicago last year or not i'm not too sure if it did Anyways, that's not the point. We've considered it a, such a big pay-per-view, and again, with the placement of it this year, it, it takes a bigger importance because it's WWE doesn't have an off-season, but it's kind of the beginning of the season here because Money in the Bank is being placed with brand-new possibilities, as you said. Right. Heck, we're getting a dream match. You discussed it last week. We're going to get a little bit more into it this week. Um, we've got, had a few more matches added onto the pay-per-view. Um, it's going to be exciting. I'm already kind of pumped up for it. So... I'll just jump into news here. Again, there's a ton to cover. I know we normally start with a big type of topic, but I actually want to start with kind of an update of where we're at with Money in the Bank. Yeah. Um, and the cards so far, of course, we have 
Roman and Elias. Uh, we have Becky's two title matches, one against Lacey Evans for the Raw women's title, and then against Charlotte Flair for the SmackDown women's title. And then we also, as of this moment, uh, have a WWE title match between Kevin Owens and Kofi Kingston. Right. And then we finally had the announcement this week for who the eight contestants are going to be in both the women's and men's Money in the Bank matches. Of course, you win that match. You climb the ladder. You grab a briefcase. You get an automatic title shot no matter what for a year. You can cash in in the middle of a match. You can cash in after a match is over. You can announce you're going to have a match before a pay-per-view a la John Cena, a la Rob Van Dam, a la a couple out of a an, an actual couple of different choices to do that. Yeah. So there are eight competitors You've got in two each. world titles to cash in on, either the Universal title or the WWE title. Correct. And I believe now with a brand split, they're still going to do the you have to cash in on your brand, although they didn't really follow that this last year. They never followed that really Ever, I mean. Well, I mean, they did. I know. I know. People are going to go back to well. Chris Benoit was on SmackDown, and he went to Raw in the middle of HBK and Triple H's feud during that year. Yes, that was a crossover, and they kind of fell into doing that. But I would assume that if a SmackDown guy wins it, he's going to challenge the World Heavyweight Champion, or in this case, I'm sorry, the WWE Champion. I'm I'm still not over the fact that we have a Universal Title and a WWE Title because we had a World Heavyweight Title for so long that was so iconic. Yep, iconic. I'm sure I'm 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 sure they're gonna have a match as well, but there are eight people in each match. Uh, the women, it's gonna be Natalia, Dana Brooke, Naomi, and Alexa Bliss on the Raw side. Bailey, Mandy Rose, Carmella, and Ember Moon on the SmackDown side. So lots of different possibilities there. And then quickly on the men's side, we have Braun Strowman, Ricochet, Drew McIntyre, and Baron Corbin on the Raw side. Mustafa Ali, Intercontinental Champion Finn Balor, Randy Orton, and your boy Andrade rounding out the SmackDown side for the men's. So, just based on that alone, looks like two really good Money in the Bank matches. Oh, that men's match is going to be something else, man. You've got Andrade, Finn Balor, Ricochet, and Mustafa I'm sorry, excuse me, not Mustafa, just Ali now. I yes. can't, I gotta get over that. The same way that I got over Cien Almas, I gotta get over Mustafa. I apologize. Where's where's Mustafa Cien Almas? I don't know. With their sidekick Antonio. <laughs> <laughs> I apologize. That would be that would be Cesaro's first name before yes. they made him get rid of it. Continue. Well done, sir. Well done. Um I lost my train of thought. What I was going to say is just those four guys that I just mentioned right there, Ricochet, Andrade, um, Balor, and Ali. Mm -hmm. Those guys can go in the ring. They can fly all over the place. They are spot monkeys galore, and I mean that in the nicest way possible. Then you add in the power guys and the finesse that is the legend of Randy Orton. But you've got Strowman, you've got Corbin, and you've got McIntyre. Mm -hmm. Those three men have participated in multiple Money in the Bank ladder matches. Let's not forget Drew McIntyre participated in a few before he left WWE. Baron Corbin has won a Money in the Bank ladder match. Braun Strowman won last year's Money in the Bank ladder match. And Randy Orton won in 2013. Looks like, a, again, a, and, and even on the women's side, I realize that there are some big names not in the match. I mean, obviously Charlotte and Becky have a match. Yes. Asuka's now in a tag team. But Ember Moon's performance uh, the year uh, last year was mm -hmm. very, very strong. Uh, Alexa's already won the Money in the Bank ladder match. Carmella's a Money in the Bank ladder match winner. Mm -hmm. Natalia's participated in the last in, in the last two, if I'm not mistaken. I believe Naomi's been, been in several as well. Yes, I believe has. this is Dana Brooks' first, though. This is Dana Brooks' first, and it is also um, Mandy's first. Yes. Yeah. So, again, this is why I like Money in the Bank. You kind of have some seasoned veterans. Yes. I mean, veterans in the in the sense of they've been with the company and they've been in multiple matches. Right. You've got some newcomers. You've got some high flyers. You've got some powers. You know, it, it, It's a great combination of everything. Yes. It really is. So, even though the men's does look stronger, mm -hmm. I think the women's might surprise us. I think so too. The la the two the two first well, I should say the three first because remember in twenty seventeen we actually had two money in the bank matches because of the whole James Ellsworth situation and whatnot. They decided to redo the women's main event. I'm sorry, the women's money in the bank ladder match. And the second one even ended up being better than the first one. Not saying that the first one wasn't good, but the the two, I should say, have been very strong. I don't see why this wouldn't be another strong match. Well, but this again, is also going to be the first time that Charlotte 
is not in a match in the Money in the Bank ladder match. This is also uh, the first time that we have not had Sasha in the company at the time. I mean, she's still signed. You went over it last week that they keep on continuing to add time to her contract that she misses it. Same with Luke Harper, by the way, who yeah. also got a six-month extension even though he wants to be gone. So think of it like a team option in sports where, oh, yeah, so you have a year left in your deal. We want to sign you instead of letting you go. Right. Just for reference for everybody. By the way, let, let's, take it, let's take this into account for a second. Clearly, the stalemate between Sasha and the WWE still stands. Because she's not at Money in the Bank. We'd been reporting for a while that we thought that WWE was going to push her and give her the Money in the Bank contract. Clearly, that's not going to be the case because the woman's not even in the match. Of course, it could all be work. Could very well be work. She could go ahead and knock out Dana Brooke, or she could knock out Natty, or she could uh, kick out uh, Alexa. No, Anybody. No way she's not going to kick out Alexa, but well, Naomi. She she, you never know. She could be added somehow, some way, the weekend of Money in the Bank. But as of right now, she is not even on the pay-per-view, let alone the match. So so that is your update for Money in the Bank. It is still a few weeks away when more matches get added. I'm presuming we're going to have a universal title. Oh, you know what? We also have a universal title match between Rollins and AJ. That, like, that little the dream best match. match on the show that I completely forgot about, and I apologize. It's okay. I forgive you, you didn't remind me either. Well, I mean, we were focusing on everything else. I thought yeah. you mentioned it. Actually, we'll probably go back. No? I didn't. We should probably add that in there. AJ Styles versus Seth Rollins for the Universal Championship. I had bro. forgotten because I was so excited about updating the whole card in no, general. It's just the fact that Mandy's in the ladder match, and you're going ahead and you're trying to fight Corey Graves. Hey, Look, Mandy. I, I, okay, last thing on Money in the Bank. I am super glad that we did not have pointless qualifying matches. Agreed. We have one more match that got added. That got added. Excuse me, I totally forgot. We have the Miz and Shane McMahon in a steel cage match at Money in the Bank. There you go. See, we're all over the place because yeah. I'm forgetting matches and all this other stuff. Clearly, there will be a pre-show match involving the Revival shaving their backs. <laughs> the less said about that, let me, t- let me tell you segment, something. The better. I better not see the Usos in the Revival at Money in the Bank in the pre-show match. I will freaking kill somebody. Somebody has to be in the pre-show. Better not be the rival rivals and the Usos. Will it be a backstage shower match? As long as it doesn't involve the Revival and the Usos, that's fine with me. It'll probably be better than the Gulf of Mexico match. That's all Anything will be better than the Gulf of Mexico match. Gulf of Mexico is overrated anyways. It's not even that close to Mexico. <laughs> but it has your boy Chavo Guerrero in the match. Hey, Chavo, my guy, man. The Guerreros, I love him. Ooh, Chavo. I hated that music. I mean, Chavo, say what you want. Lieutenant Loco from WCW. In case wow. The guy with the uh, horse. The actual backstage salesman. I could go on with how many weird gimmicks he had. Let me ask you a question. What year was that in WCW? The horse thing or the salesman thing? Anything. It was like 99, 2000. Of course it was 2000. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay, so I know we want to talk about Mr. Moxley. Yes. And that was very exciting. So essentially, here's what I will say. I saw the video a couple days ago. Mm -hmm. I'm sure you saw it the day it it came out. Okay. So there were some very cryptic things in it that I think either people are completely overblowing or they're trying to read into it more than they are. So basically, everybody, Dean Ambrose is no more. He is going back to being John Moxley or Mox or whatever you want to call it. And it appears that the former Dean Ambrose is going to sign with All Elite Wrestling because it appears that that promo was cut for something involving that because the video I saw also had an ending video with uh, with Cody going like this. Oh. Yes. So, nothing is official. He has not signed anywhere as of this moment. At first, I actually thought it was a movie trailer for some movie he was doing, which, is, which would be awesome for him. It would have been the third 12 rounds, right? The fourth, because he was already in the third 12 rounds. Oh, that's right. I thought there was only two, not three. There wow. Were three. He was in the third one. 12 rounds, making an, uh, getting an, an appearance here on the Double Turn podcast. Still not as funny as the movie with Dolph Ziggler, Corporate Kane, and Rusev. What was the name of that movie again? I have forgotten the name. I will look it up immediately because it involves a scene where Rusev is holding a gun, Dolph Ziggler super kicks him, and we never see Rusev again. <laughs> it was unbelievable. I now have to look this up. You're welcome. So there you go. I apologize. Anyways, you know what's one thing that's really pissing me off, though, Ross? WWE fans just can't seem to get over the fact that Dean Ambrose is no longer signed with World Wrestling Entertainment. Mm-hmm. 
like there have been people who are saying oh do you think dean ambrose is just being repackaged and being and he's gonna be john moxley yeah and, no. still, and it's a work no I'm like stop being an idiot By just way, stop he's not with wwe anymore he is done he fulfilled his contract we had the shield's last chapter he has moved on He's not with WWE anymore. Get over it. By the way, the movie with Ziggler, Corporate Kane, and Rusev is the 2016 force known as Countdown. Ah, uh, yes. Oscar, Oscar nominated. Countdown. Absolutely. Look, if you love the Corporate Kane character as much as I do, you, yeah, by will, the way, you will love that Did you that appreciate movie. the birthday post that I put up for Kane? Because you didn't even like it. It's our Instagram account. You didn't even like it. The Did Double Turn Podcast is our Instagram account. That's the earliest plug we've ever had on the show. <laughs> You're welcome. And we probably should be doing it more. Uh, is where you can find lots of goodies. Uh, the the J Man is uh, pretty much in charge of our account. Uh, I've I've thrown him some ideas, but uh, he's pretty much the uh, master behind that. Give us a follow. The Double Turn Podcast on Instagram is where you can find that. So. Uh, if it's the case and Mr. John Moxley is uh, going to AEW, that's that awesome. That's really fun. Um, I don't know if he's showing up at Double or Nothing. Even if he doesn't and he signs after that, that's cool too. Um, but you're right. He's done with WWE and uh, that's where we're at. Yep. And what I wanted to say was the fact that I put that you have a hilarious infatuation with WCW 2000 era and uh, corporate Kane. Also, the thing that I teased, which is that there was a dog in the middle of the thing, and it was uh, it was the dog holding him back, the big dog. Wow. Someone inferred that Roman Reigns was holding Dean Ambrose back. Like, they really don't think that Dean Ambrose is actually that cool with Rollins and Reigns, do they? Like, these three men have been through everything brothers. together. They are brothers. They, yeah. They, that's, they have told us that. They love each other. It's true. These guys are best friends. I, I mean, we've never seen any photos of Dean Ambrose and Renee Young's wedding. I don't know if they will. I don't we know if we're going to. If we're going to. They're incredibly private, and that's perfectly fine. I mean, you look at Renee's Instagram account, you don't see that much of Dean. But when you do, it's just those – there's a couple of cool pictures. Like, there was some cool pictures that she posted from the last chapter event. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised if Ambrose, if Rollins and Reigns, excuse me, were probably groomsmen at Ambrose's wedding. It's possible. And if they weren't, they were definitely there. So let's can we just get over this whole? Oh, Reigns is holding back Ambrose. No, these men are best of friends. Best right. of friends. That's it. All right. Um. So I also had a very poor tease at the beginning. I don't really care. Apparently, there's no more backlash. They have decided to move backlash. Or actually, well, they, they, they got rid, rid of it. it. Yes, yeah. they got rid of it, of course. Yes. Um, to make sure that their pay-per-view schedule was a little more different. Well, that's what so happened last year. Please explain this. Yeah, absolutely. So last year, as you probably remember, they had they held the Saudi Arabia, excuse me, the Saudi Arabia event, which was the greatest Royal Rumble. Um, and then nine days later, they held Backlash. People didn't like that. Ross and I certainly didn't like it. We thought it was stupid. Not to mention Backlash really suffered from that because it was a terrible pay-per-view. And it just wasn't really pushed the way that it should have been because their focus was on greatest royal rumble in order to avoid that wwe has completely scratched backlash off the wwe calendar so they're going to hold their event in the kingdom of saudi arabia and then instead of nine days later it's basically going to be two and a half weeks later that they're holding a brand new pay-per-view which goes by the name of wwe stomping grounds and it's taking place in tacoma washington at the tacoma dome i believe June the 23rd is the date of this pay-per-view. Still a better name than Great Balls of Fire. I agree. I, I have agree. a feeling you will hate the Tacoma Dome as much as you hate the Cajun Dome. I'll tell you this right now. I hated Lexington on Monday night. <laughs> like, I mean, it was it was really bad. Really bad. And so look that, at that. Ryback started a video on uh, on Instagram. Right there you now. go. I don't know what the heck he's up to now. Great. Is, is he bashing more on WWE? Let's let us know, Ryback. He's he's probably wanting to feed us more information. Give us more nutrition. All right. So I have not done a moment of impact in forever, but I'm doing it in the news section because there are multiple things of it. So here we go. Go for it. We my have friend. a new Impact World Champion. His name is Brian Cage. He defeated Johnny Impact at the Rebellion event for Impact. 
He was then carted off after the match, complaining of back pain. And people thought that this might have been a work or that he might have been very seriously injured. So basically what happened was Johnny Impact, formerly known as John Morrison, for those of you that remember him in World Wrestling Entertainment, he did a Spanish fly from the ramp to the floor, and that's how Brian Cage got injured. However, there was more afterwards because there was the debuting Michael Elgin from Ring of Honor, so they did that spot, so there was a powerbomb involved as well. We have reports. He is doing fine. He is not going to miss a lot of time. It appears they dodged a bullet when it came to the injury plates for Brian Cage. So there's a big moment. Um, Morrison, of course, uh, Morrison, Impact, Johnny Impact, had turned heel for a while with his real-life wife, Taya Valkyrie. And uh, this was essentially the next chapter. They had really been pushing Brian Cage hard. This was another event in which they were really trying to push the younger talent. Uh, there was a match between Gail Kim and Tessa Blanchard at this pay-per-view as well. Um, I've only seen bits and pieces of Rebellion. The pieces I saw looked good. By the way, another returning member. Yeah, there were two returns and a new world champion in the main event because the special guest referee in that match was none other than Lance Storm, who is also like part of the whole company. He's he's actually working backstage with them, but that was his first shot on camera. It's interesting. I hadn't seen Lance Storm tweet out about WWE in a long time. Now I know why. Yes, because he's working for Impact. That makes all the sense in the world. There you go. Um, so, yes, new world champion Brian Cage, who is just fine from his injury. That's fantastic. Awesome. You and I were having a discussion before we went on the air, and we were talking about Johnny Impact. Johnny Impact is a great wrestler. Let that be made very, very clear by the Double Turn podcast. However, Johnny Impact isn't the safest of workers at times. You and I were discussing this. The reason why The Miz got pushed over Johnny John Morrison excuse me, is because of two reasons. One, Miz can talk. Johnny can't. Two, Miz is safe. Morrison's not. And I, here he goes proving that exact scenario. You might say, oh, it's just a Spanish fly, J-Man. What the heck? Mustafa Ali pulled that off all the time. Well, Ali pulls it off safely onto the mat. Charlotte pulls it off safely to Asuka onto the mat. Okay, you might say, well, what about Kalisto? Kalisto did it to the floor, onto the padded floor. You don't do it onto the concrete and then hurt somebody's hip. It's just stupid. And not to mention, let this be made very clear. The spot took place from the ramp onto the concrete floor. So the Spanish fly requires a lot of momentum. So if you're going to get a lot of momentum, the best way to do it is get that momentum from as high as possible as you can. Therefore, the landing, you could stick it a little bit easier. You don't do it from five feet off the ramp onto concrete because then you don't get the rotation that you need, first of all. Second of all, you're landing straight on your hips onto the concrete. Can I repeat that, Ross, to the concrete? Right. Hashtag onto the concrete. Come on. All right. Um... I'm trying to think of what else news-wise. Uh, news, the Singh brothers are back wrestling. That's awesome. My God. I had to I had to put that in. By the way, do you know what name they came into WWE with was? Please remind the me. The Bollywood Boys. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, and then they became the Singh brothers when they were hanging out with Jinder Mahal. That's true. Absolutely. And they were on 205 Live, so they came back home. Very cool. Because they came on to the scene with 205 Live. Uh, of course, there are no tag belts in 205 Live. Right. I don't know if they're ever going to change that. I'm not saying they should. I'm saying that they were wrestling tag matches when they first came in. So I thought it was cool that they're both cleared to wrestle. I, listen, and if they're I'm, not going to do anything on the main roster with them and they want them to, them to go back to 205 Live and showcase the fact that they're good because they did have a good match on 205 Live. Let this be made very clear. I never said that the Singh brothers were not good wrestlers. No, they they were just being you know absolutely destroyed by Randy Orton like absolutely, and times. they can they can and they sold like hell for Randy Orton. On top of that, all right. So uh, got a couple more pieces of news quickly. Um, Revival offered new deals. They were offered five hundred grand a year each. 
Reports are saying they turned that down. Uh, based on what happened on Monday Night Raw, that might be the tr- that might be the case. Um, obviously, the Jeff Jeff Hardy and Matt Hardy had to relinquish the SmackDown Tag Team Championships on Tuesday night because Jeff Hardy is injured. Um, he quoted he is quoted to have said he's going to be out for a long time. I don't know how long is long, but right. it's going to be a while. I don't know if we're talking chomp along, but a long time. So speedy recovery for Jeff, we're hoping here at the Double Turn Podcast. Um, and one very, very big piece of news that came out earlier this morning, which I'm very excited about, as you are. The man, the myth, the legend, Daniel Bryan, has been cleared to wrestle. I am very excited for this. I am very happy. I was very worried. My three count this week was going to be that I was exceptionally scared with what was going on with that situation because mm-hmm. they kept it tight. They kept it so close to the chest. I was like, what the heck is going on over there? What is wrong with Daniel Bryan? We probably won't find out what happened to him, but all I care is the fact that the man is cleared, he's ready to go, and hopefully we see him back on Tuesday. And if not, after Money in the Bank, which would probably make sense because you write him back in the storyline, and it makes sense. And finally, it's The Rock's birthday. Yes, it is. We smell what he's cooking. It's a birthday cake. Happy How birthday old? to The Rock. 47. Doesn't look it. Not at all. Guy's awesome. Guy's amazing. 98% of his movies I like. I couldn't agree with you more. Hobbs and Shaw is going to be awesome. And he's filming Jumanji. He's got Jungle Cruise coming out soon. Um, And speaking of The Rock, last bit of news, John Cena is signing Fast and Furious, baby. Fast and Furious 9. Vin Diesel made this uh, public last weekend. Uh, Shout out to Vin Diesel. Uh, Avengers $1.2 billion at the box office with Avengers Endgame was the opening weekend numbers. That is complete, utter insanity. Uh, Thanos is still demanding your silence, and don't spoil the end game, please. Thank you. Ross and I still haven't watched it, and yes, we are fans, but we have lives. All right, I'm going to do something very controversial, but it has to happen. I trust we you. are not going to do three count this week. Um, it would have been nice to know before the show started. I agree, but unfortunately, we had so much news, and I want to do a top five that I'm kiboshing three count this week. Wow. Yes. Okay. Unless you want two minutes to do top five. I trust in I trust in the boss. Match segment and show of the week is where we are going. Here's here's what I'll say. Um the shows were leading up to Money in the Bank. They were mostly good. There was a revival back shaving segment that I could rant about for ten minutes that I'm not going to because it's dumb. And we just elaborate on pre- probably the reason why they were doing that. To the begin Bray with. Wyatt stuff, I'll give it a few more weeks. It still seems a bit odd, even though there were parts of it that I laughed. They're doing a good job of making sure that every show they do, Raw, SmackDown, 205 Live, and NXT, are basically four different entities. Right. If you don't believe me, Watch Raw and SmackDown and tell me how different they are trying to make them. Because 205 Live and NXT are already different shows. Yes. Just by nature. They're 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 preparing you as an audience member to say SmackDown on Fox is going to be a different product. They're preparing you for it. Which is so, perfectly fine. So as long as you treat it as four different shows, then that's what they're giving you. That's what they're giving you. So here's what I will say. And I apologize, but I had to make the decision on the fly. It's okay. Because I, I I actually didn't know how long news was going to take us, so I apologize. No, it's okay. We, and we, we stated at the beginning of the show we had a lot of news. It's true. So uh, my show of the week is 205 Live. Not surprised. That shouldn't surprise you. No. My match of the week is Tony Nese versus Drew Gulak. I called it. Because watch it, please. Okay. <laughs> For those of you that don't know if I'm a Drew Gulak fan, please just watch any match he's in. Psychology-wise, the man is amazing. He's brilliant. Okay? Oh, and also, and and I realize that he's not in this match, big shout-out to Umberto Carrillo for basically doing anything they ask of him and him being awesome. Him and the... Him and Oney Lorcan and Danny Birch Mm -hmm. had a great match against the Forgotten Sons on NXT. I will say that because I did watch part of that match. Can Can I also... Can I also get a little kudos knowing that I was right that Jackson Riker's going to be a big deal? Uh, yes, you may. Because 
the guy's going to be a big deal. Yes, you may. I will give you the credit any day of the week. Because giving you credit, Ross. Because they are slowly but surely basically telling you that even though the other two guys are there, Cutler and Blake, Riker's the star of that group. Yes. And he should be. And he's going to get into more high-profile things. And then, of course, my segment of the week is uh, the the opening segment of, oh, and it was very close. I almost picked the closing segment, and I hate contract signings, but the A.J. Rollins segment was great. I will tell you right now, the opening segment with the Money in the Bank guys, Ricochet being absolutely slapped down by Drew McIntyre. You got to see Braun Strowman, you know, yell. You got to see Baron Corbin being, you know, a conniving heel. By the way, I love the entrance of, Oh, Ricochet, Braun Strowman, Drew Baggins, and Baron Corbin. <laughs> because once Shout out again, to Alexa Bliss on that. Because that once again, I've been proven to be a prophet and a genius when I tell you Baron Corbin is one of the best people on Raw. It's awesome. By because way, he's actually getting real heat. No, he is. He is. And you know what made me laugh on Monday Night Raw the most? The fact that Alexa Bliss uh, wrestled in Chuck's. And she kept on wanting to tie her shoes and it was hilarious. By the way, I heard some people complaining that she lost the match. She was in street clothes. I would never take her opponent seriously ever again if Alexa beat her in street clothes. Miz lost in street clothes, and that's exactly what he should have done. He should have lost in street clothes. Unless it is a street fight and you're both in street clothes. Right. But even but those, you're still wearing tennis shoes. And jeans. Yes. And you're not wearing a shirt. By the way, I never understood why street clothes involved jeans. I don't know either. I never understood that. Probably because you're going to maybe, well, back in the day, you used to go ahead and get hit with a barbed wire, and it was uh, better for it to go through jeans than it uh, would be through uh, basketball shorts. Well, why not just be comfortable? You're already going to get beat up. You're already in street clothes. Why not just be comfortable? Ah, that's a good point. Because wrestling tights inherently are not comfortable. I agree. I've never worn wrestling tights, Neither but I would I. think they're not comfortable. I mean, they really bunch up your junk. It's true. So that was my match segment and show of the week because Drew McIntyre and Braun Strowman and Ricochet and Baron Corbin are all tremendous men. So, yes, they your are. match segment and show of the week, sir. Okay, so I wasn't the biggest fan of the programming this week. I told you that before we went on air. Back shaving. Back shaving, yes. Um, my segment of the week... The crowd really sucked in Lexington, Kentucky. <laughs> but I'm not gonna. I'm also not gonna sit here and tell you, oh my gosh, this segment sucked because you'd be an idiot to think that it sucked. AJ Styles and Seth Rollins were in the same ring at the same time, having a contract signing, and it was interesting to see AJ kind of play the heel, but not really play the heel. And for those who, of you who said, oh, AJ Styles turned heel on Seth Rollins, uh, you're inaccurate. That is completely wrong. AJ Styles extended his hand. Seth Rollins just put the title up and then was jawing at at AJ Styles. And AJ Styles socked him in the face. What the heck else are you going to do, right? That was the segment of the week. It was great, although I really did like the Kofi Kingston, Kevin Owens stuff that was going on on SmackDown. I'm actually really, really pumped up for that match. Their storyline has a little bit more energy because there's actually... Uh, heel and face dynamic where AJ and Seth are both the baby faces and they're as of right now having a match out of respect and for the title although it got really really personal on Monday night but there's just something about Kofi and KO that I'm really really enjoying but that's my segment of the week is AJ versus Rollins um, my match of the week I unfortunately did not have the pleasure of being able to watch Tony Nese versus Drew Gulak on 205 Live although I do take your uh, account to heart, and I know for a fact there was a great match, but if I'm going to base it off the best match that I saw this week out of the two programs that I watched, I'm probably going to say it was Bailey versus Becky Lynch, even though some people did not necessarily agree that that was a very good match. I thought it was pretty good. They've had much better matches in NXT, much better matches, but, you know, they only had like eight minutes to have a match. You know, they're going to do the best that they can. Becky looked great. Bailey's starting to kind of get her mojo back. I'm, I'm a little bit on the fence, but I don't know. We'll we'll see what happens. And uh, show of the week, it was not Raw. Uh, for me, it was SmackDown. It would have been 205 Live had I watched the full thing. I've read all about it, and I can tell you that it was a good show. Hell, NXT was a good show compared to SmackDown and Raw, but if based off my eyes, the two shows that I watched, it was SmackDown compared to Raw. 
What did you think of Strom, or, uh, Stroman Ricochet versus Corbin and McIntyre? That match was solid. That match was really solid. Um, but it's been a similar situation. You know, Baron Corbin takes the pin again. Uh, Ricochet was made to look like a million bucks. But then Braun Strowman gets kind of pushed to the side a little bit. And it's like... Common is, theme. It is a common theme, and it's starting to get a little bit ridiculous. You're starting to think, you, you just got to ask yourself, what the hell is Braun Strowman doing backstage that's getting him in trouble and putting him in the doghouse? Like, what is it? Because it's it's this man should be world champion right now. And it's just like, he's not even a favorite in the Money in the Bank ladder match this year. When he should be, he's six foot eight, 320 pounds, and he's not, um, Ross, he's not a favorite. Big guys rarely are. He was the favorite last year, and you should. That's also because he was still in the middle of his. We still might consider him as a world champion type of guy. Like, what is it about his? Like, what is going on with him that he's just keeps losing his push? Baron Corbin is more of a favorite in this match than Braun Strowman is right now, and I mean that with all respect to Baron Corbin because he's busted his ass to get to where he is right now. Probably because it's the start stop push kind of thing i mean he was a baby face and then they turned him heel for the shield and then it took him forever to be a baby face again yeah. and he kept losing to brock when everybody kind of wanted him to beat brock and then they four didn't. minutes is what he lost in, in in saudi arabia at crown jewel four minutes it's hard it's, it's hard five, i understand that it was four f5s but that's one f5 per minute that is one F5 per minute and nothing. Um, the match overall was good, but again, it's just a constant theme. You know, he took a Claymore kick in the outside. Ricochet's taking all this punishment. Finally, Strowman gets back in, and then Ricochet's able to hit a 630, which is a great move, but it's just a common theme. And Bailey versus Becky was refreshing because you hadn't seen it in about four and a half years. So that's the reason why. There you go. There we go. Top five, my dude. It is top five time. And again... I apologize for uh, making the executive decision for three count this week, but it had to be done because I knew we wanted to get to top five. Um, so this is our first of two top fives that we are doing that are money in the bank related. This one is top five best money in the bank matches. That means they can be matches that took place at the money in the bank pay-per-view or at any of the events in which Money in the Bank matches took place, which up until they had a pay-per-view for it, took place at WrestleMania. That means we're doing the latter matches, not matches that took place at the Money in the Bank pay-per-view. Let us be very, very clear. Yes, because uh, if you would have chosen anything other than CM Punk John Cena, then we would have had a problem. Absolutely. So there you go. Or Christian and Randy Orton from the same event. It was a good show telling you dude it's the best show of the last 10 years it was a good show it was a great show okay so um i i had to do a lot of research for this actually i did too because first of all i failed to realize there have only been 20 of these things uh-huh i also uh at the last minute crossed out the 2017 women's money in the bank it almost made the top five just kidding you really didn't <laughs> like that match did you no because uh everybody hated the original finish that they had to redo it on the only money in the bank that did not happen at a pay-per-view both matches i thought were very good from a quality standpoint take away james Ellsworth bringing down the briefcase of the first one both of those matches were very very good so we have a list i have mine you have yours would you like to go first or would you like me to go first? Do you have an honorable mention? I don't. For time's sake, I do not. Okay. You can start. All right. So I told you that there was going to be at least one of these that was going to be omitted from my list that you were going to be upset with. So you'll find out which one got omitted because there are some on this list that people are very high on that just didn't make my list. Okay. Fair enough. Number five for me is the Money in the Bank from 2016. Now, I know some people absolutely love that match. Like, love it. Okay? By the uh, way, that pay-per-view was also very good. Money that was uh, Jericho, Cesaro, Sami Zayn, Del Rio, Kevin Owens, and Ambrose. That was that match. Uh, probably the reason I liked it is because it was in the middle of the whole 
we're we're breaking the shield apart and there's all these really good workers and everybody kind of wanted to see Dean and Seth feud for the title. And so even though I kind of knew where it was going and there wasn't a ton of real like suspense over who was going to win, at least to me, I kind of knew Dean was going to win. But this was this was certainly an event where all those guys I just listed, I mean, to me, other than like Sami Zayn, all those guys to me, I could easily be like, those guys can be world champions. And that includes Cesaro, who gets a really bad rap with this company, and it pisses me off. And Del Rio is an absolute beast. And Del Rio, this was still during the time where he was treated as a main eventer. He was still treated, you know, as the worker, you know, great heel, great everything. So to me, it just had the full package. This was um, this was Owens and Zayn just going all out with each other. It was just a war between those two. And Ambrose and Y2J were in the middle of the feud. They were. So it kind of had everything in the package. And I think it just kind of rolled together nicely. It didn't feel like, you know, just another pay-per-view where we have a gimmick match, which I complain about all the time. This felt like, hey, this is a convergence. There's a big word for you. That's a convergence of all these different great storylines, and we're going to have one winner, and things are going to get shaken up out of it, and we're going to have better product. Yes. So I'm picking 2016 at number five. You know what the funny thing is? I also have 2016 at oh, number five. Oh, there it is. Yeah, man. I'm telling you, it was such a good match. And again, that pay-per-view was so good because people forget at Money in the Bank in 2016, we got John Cena and AJ Styles for the very first time, which is a great match. Outside interference happened that doesn't take away from the fact that that match was fire and then the main event of that show was roman reigns and the return of seth rollins from his acl injury he had come back the month before at extreme rules after the aj versus roman match which was phenomenal by the way this pay-per-view was amazing the money in the bank ladder match that year was amazing the promos leading up to it there was a couple of uh you know, the, the mega heels in this match were um, KO, Y2J, and Del Rio. And their interactions with one another were hilarious. And then you throw in the fact that KO and Sami Zayn were wanting to rip each other apart. Ambrose and Y2J were wanting to rip each other apart. You throw in the fact that Del Rio can go in the ring with absolutely anybody. And then you throw in the fact that the most talented person in the entire match was not KO, but it was actually Cesaro. And that's saying something because I adore Kevin Owens. We all know this. That match was fire. I don't have to elaborate anymore because you just did. It's a great pick, and it's my pick, too. All right, here's my number four on the list. And I probably put this a lot higher than a lot of different lists that I saw. WrestleMania 25. Now, I know what you're going to say. It was a 14-minute ladder match. All the with... ladder matches were le- – a lot of the ladder matches were less than 15 minutes. So this one had uh, – this was Punk's second win – so it had Christian, Finley, Kane, Kofi Kingston, Mark Henry, MVP, and Shelton Benjamin. So let me tell you something. WrestleMania 25, this was the year where they just decided, do anything crazy, over the top, super violent, and just, and like, any idea you had, do it. It's so funny. WWE Network put up a video today. Um, this day... Uh, 10 years ago, that match happened, and they put up the spot of uh, Mark Henry's got the ladder, Kofi runs up the ladder, yes. and then Mark blasts it off, and then he catches Kofi midair. And does the world's strongest does slam. the world's strongest slam oh. on the ladder. Oh. Okay, so let me tell you something quick aside. For anybody that thinks the world's strongest slam is a bad finisher, fight me. Shut up. It's amazing. I'm with you. Fight me. Okay. I will fight alongside of you, my friend. It's the same reason why I love Lars Sullivan's freak accident. Fight me. It's a big man who's strong slamming you five feet into the ground or ten feet into the ground with power and force and torque. Bobby Lashley's choke slam is fire. It is. His spear is weird, even though I'll be fine with it. But yes, moves that look violent that are safe, I will always put over. And Mark Henry's not just a gimmick. He had records. Still has a few of them, actually. So, WrestleMania 25, I know it gets a lot of flack for its main event, but that Money in the Bank match where they were just said, do whatever you want, and of course, Punk winning was kind of a big deal because it was kind of like his reboot, because the first one where he won, it was like, all right, we're going to have you win, but we're really not going to treat you as a real main eventer. 
Like, this one was kind of just the reboot for that character. Right. And all the people I just mentioned are all capable, all safe, and all made the event totally worth it. So WrestleMania 25 is my number four. That's a great pick. I like it a lot. My number four is actually... Uh, you, you're going to be a little bit surprised because I have it a little bit lower than you probably what you have it as because I know you have it in there. Uh, Money in the Bank 2011, uh, the SmackDown edition, which was Daniel Bryan versus Sheamus versus Sin Cara versus Cody Ro- excuse me Cody Rhodes versus Wade Barrett versus Justin Gabriel versus Kane versus Heath Slater. Holy smokes, that's a lot of people in that match. That was a seven person match, right? If I did my math right. Um, and by the way, just as a quick aside, you said 2011. Yes, Heath Slater was in that match. Yes. Slater's going to slay. Slater's going to slay. That's all I'm going to tell I'm you, I'm a one-man band. I, I, I'm, I'm telling you, Heath Slater's awesome. Continue. No problem. Heath Slater is the man. I, I will give you that. This match was crazy good. You've got Daniel Bryan at the peak of his powers. You've got Sin Cara when Sin Cara was still considered a big deal. Cody Rhodes was still a big deal. Wade Barrett was a very big deal. Justin Gabriel and Heath Slater were big deals because of the Nexus. And you had Kane, who was running on all cylinders as the big red machine without a mask. And this was when he was at his athletic prowess. Uh, Well, no, I shouldn't say that. But it was 10 years removed from the Attitude Era, but he could still go, right? Sheamus powerbombing Sin Cara on through a ladder is one of the most amazing spots you're ever going to go ahead and see. Period. It was amazing. That match took place at, again, the best pay-per-view we've seen over the last 15 years. It took place in a hot crowd of Chicago, Illinois. It was fire. Money in the Bank ladder match of 2011. The SmackDown match was fire. I just called an audible because I switched my order. Go for it. I'm okay with it. Go for it. My number three is the match you just said. 2011, the SmackDown side of things for the World Heavyweight title. Pretty much covered everything. Uh, I'm a huge Wade Barrett fan. I am a huge Antonio Cesaro fan. Um, this is still when I didn't dislike Sheamus. I, it's not that I don't dis. Or it's not that I dislike him. He was on the verge of his baby face turn at that point. Yes, and he's always been better as a heel. Yes, he has been always. Uh, as you said, the Sin Cara spot. I felt bad for Sin Cara because he got hurt in that spot. Um, but that was. That was the beginning of Daniel Bryan. Yes, it was. In being, it, that was the beginning of what would become the Yes Movement. Absolutely. That was the beginning of it. Yeah. So it holds a special place in my heart. That's why it is number three. I could wax poetically about how it was in one of the better pay-per-views of the last decade. It flowed very well. The action, I never felt bored in that match. There are somebody in the bank matches that I find boring This one, I was never bored. I was already fully engaged in this pay-per-view, and this did not let me down. So I picked 2011, the SmackDown side for the World Heavyweight title, as my number three. Cool, man. My number three is, man, this is such a good match. The workers in this, oh, okay. Money in the Bank ladder match, 2014. Seth Rollins versus Ambrose versus Ziggler versus Kofi versus RVD versus Swagger. This match was stupid, dumb, good. <laughs> this was the this was one month after Seth Rollins turned on the shield, so Ambrose was wanting to kill him, basically. Uh, Ziggler was on his mega babyface tour. Uh, Kofi was always killing it in Money in the Bank ladder matches. RVD had come back one year prior, and Jack Swagger, he was doing his thing with We the People. Like, this was... A collection of great young talent mixed in with the veteranship of Kofi and of RVD. Fire, brother. Fire. There's a spot. Ambrose superplexes Seth Rollins from a 20-foot ladder. And I'm not talking like two steps below the top. This is very last step right before the actual top of the ladder. And it's not a 15-footer. It's a 20-footer. Rollins goes straight down back first. Unreal spot. This match was so good. It is such a... Oh, my God. Seth Rollins was unbelievable in this match. And this was Dean Ambrose at his baby face utter perfection. I thought Ziggler was actually going to be another two-time Money in the Bank winner because he was a really big deal at this point. Kofi's great. RVD was great. And Swagger was a wonderful big uh, monster. 
I think Swagger turned babyface the night after Money in the Bank that year, if I'm not mistaken. Didn't he turn babyface against Rusev? Pretty sure it was right around that time. Anyways, that match, ridiculous good. Seth Rollins won that match. He obviously cashed in on uh, Reigns and Brock Lesnar at WrestleMania 31 about seven months later. I mean, this match is unbelievable. I love it. My number two, I was very tempted to make number one and be very controversial because of how much I love the match and how much some people had zero expectations going into it. Everything surrounding it screamed snooze fest. And yet I, along with a few other people, knew that if they just stuck to the plan and threw everything else out, it was going to be a good match. The 2013 SmackDown side for the World Heavyweight Championship briefcase. The SmackDown side. Yes. Nice. Heel Fest. Every member in that match was a heel. Cody Rhodes ended up turning babyface in that match, actually. It was Wade Barrett, Jack Swagger, Fondango, Dean Ambrose, Cody Rhodes, Antonio Cesaro, and the winner of that match, Damian Sandow. Sandow. Now, the finish of that match was Damian Sando turning on Cody Rhodes, winning the chocolate briefcase, as I always <laughs> like to call it. That was also, unfortunately, the very end of Damian Sandow because then he was pinned by John Cena, and then he got the Miz Dow gimmick, and then he went to TNA and became some weird, like, Aaron Rex. It doesn't matter. The point is, this match, everybody's like, it's all heels. There's going to be no psychology. I'm like, guys, look at who's in the ring, Okay. This is, if anything, there was plenty of psychology because this is in the match. This is prime Sandow and Rhodes as a tag team. This is prime Ambrose. This is still prime Cesaro. Fandango had still kind of been in the mix of things at this time. Jack Swagger was still hanging around with Zeb Coulter. Of course, I just mentioned before that I have a love affinity with the fact that Wade Barrett is awesome. I wish he was still around because the guy is amazing. This thing had everything. It was just, it was, it was controlled chaos, which is exactly what I want a Money in the Bank match to be. And it was all villains. So even though I'm not supposed to be rooting for any of them, leading up to the finish, we kind of knew there was going to be a little screwy of a finish. Everybody looked good. I thought this was just incredible with what they were given. Nobody expected anything. And it just completely outperformed. And just outkicked its coverage is what I want to say. I think it was just meant to go out there and just be there. Because remember, the Raw side was Orton, Christian, Punk, Brian, Van Dam, and Sheamus. And everybody wanted to see that. And it was the main event of that show. Please watch the SmackDown side in 2013. It is a better match. Let me tell you something about that show. It was a good show. And it took place in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, which is the home of ECW. Um... I like that pick a lot, actually. And if you had to pick who was the quote-unquote babyface in that match, it ended up being Cody Rhodes, obviously, and he was the one that ended up turning babyface between him and Sandow. Um, and obviously him and Dustin Rhodes, a.k.a. Goldust, ended, winning, ended up beating The Shield a couple of months later for the tag team titles, and Cody became a big deal in the company. That's a good pick. My pick is the raw side of that 2013 main event. Uh... That was Daniel Bryan, CM Punk, Randy Orton, Rob Van Dam, Sheamus, and Christian. Damn, that match was fire. Like you just said, the SmackDown side, nobody expected anything of it because of the people involved, and it ended up blowing everything out of the water. However, when you have Daniel Bryan, you've got CM Punk, you've got Randy Orton, you've got RVD, and you've got Sheamus and Christian, and you've got CM Punk on the verge of turning babyface again, and it was his... uh. Second pay-per-view match back from his hiatus after WrestleMania 29. And he got turned on by my boy Paul Heyman. And this led to one of the greatest matches we have ever seen between Punk and Brock Lesnar. Oh, man, was this match. Oh, man, was this match good. This match was so good. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, RVD took a uh, flying RKO, essentially, right off the ladder. Yes, he did. I'm telling you. I love it when people fly into an RKO. There's nothing better in pro wrestling than that. So before we get to our number ones, because I know they're both the same because of the discussion we had before, I am actually very surprised that neither of us, and I mean very surprised, I'm actually a little surprised. That we didn't pick the one at WrestleMania 24? 
I was going to say 23, actually. That one's also very good. I believe that's the one that Ken Kennedy won. That is correct. Um, I'm also surprised that you did not pick 2017. You know, it was good. And uh, again, you know what I like about all these matches that we've discussed? Not all of them were super in-your-face obvious. Like, Ambrose winning in 2016 was pretty obvious, but I didn't expect Daniel Bryan to win in 2011. I wasn't sure that Rollins was going to actually win in 2014 because I didn't think they were going to push him that quickly. 2013, I thought Daniel Bryan or CM Punk was actually going to win, which is crazy because CM Punk would have then been a three-time Money in the Bank winner. But I really honestly thought that was going to be the case. I was actually surprised when Orton won. Um... However, the other two matches that we just mentioned, WrestleMania 24 and WrestleMania 23, were very, very strong. It's true. Uh, Shelton Benjamin actually did the uh, was flipped over and crashed through that ladder at WrestleMania 24. That was I believe uh, Punk took the RKO at 23. Yes, he did. So, by the way, uh, fun fact: yeah. at the Money in the Bank on 2013, the pre-show match. What? It was Roman and Seth versus the Usos. That was the pre-show match? <laughs> that match was good, too. That was for the tag team titles. That match was fire. Can you? Okay. The reason I say that is, if you were to talk to a WWE fan that started watching today, Seth they Rollins would call and you Roman crazy. Reigns on the pre-show was nuts. Yes. Uh, nuts. And by the way, the <laughs> Usos on the pre-show was pretty nuts. Yes. But we all know how WWE likes to treat their tag teams at, at these days, even though you're the Usos. But Roman Reigns and Seth Rollins on the pre-show, that's a freaking gem, man. All right, so it's not a secret. We both picked WrestleMania 21. I actually uh, picked uh, WrestleMania 22. No, you did not. I know I didn't. No. So uh, WrestleMania 21, for those of you that do not know, it happened at the Staples Center. Los Angeles. Yes. It was a very important night for WWE in general. Even though 20 was a great event, it still has my favorite main event of all time. 21, first ever Money in the Bank ladder match. This match didn't even open the show. No, it did not. Eddie and Ray opened the show. That is correct. Um, let me tell you. So this was based on the storyline of when Eric Bischoff was around and Chris Jericho and he were kind of hanging around. This was months before Chris Jericho was then fired yes. by Eric Bischoff because he couldn't beat John Cena. He was still a babyface at the time, actually. Yes, he was. So this is what I will say about WrestleMania 21, the, the Money in the Bank ladder match. It had Jericho, Benoit, Christian, back when uh, Tyson Tomko was hanging out with him, uh, Shelton Benjamin, Edge, and Kane. Oh, man, Kane was so good in this match. So, first of all, the names I just mentioned, okay? Um, most of them are pretty much Hall of Famers. Now, I realize Benoit's not going to be a Hall of Famer for obvious reasons. Shelton Benjamin's probably not going to be a Hall of Famer. Jericho's a Hall of Famer. So is Kane. I, th- I, I think Benjamin's going to get in at some point. The point is. Yeah. Edge is a Hall of Famer. Christian's a Hall of Famer. Kane's going to be a Hall of Famer. And by the way, if you take Christian's entire career... That's a Hall of Fame career. It is. Absolutely. It is. So, if you take the original concept, the fact that, by the way, this had never really been done before. This was Y2J's idea, behind the scenes and on screen. They've had ladder matches before, okay? They've never had something like this before. There have been documentaries and stuff with Chris Jericho and some of these other guys They kind of went into it blind. They really did. And by the way, that should tell you the confidence level and the ability level of all these guys. Okay, Jericho's known as one of the most creative and one of the most, he's he's just one of the best. I mean, shout out to Jericho. Jericho was in the first ever Elimination Chamber match and he was in the first ever Money in the Bank match. And he had a lot to do with both of those. So, when you take all that together, right? And again, as I mentioned... Right? These guys did not have a playbook. Okay? They essentially said, we're going to do a wrestling match with a ladder. Someone's going to win, and this has to be entertaining enough for us to continue to do this because they weren't just going to do it for one year. This was a plan that said, okay, if this works, we've got something. Right. Much like when 
what you just mentioned with Elimination Chamber. They were going to try something, which is why, to me, the best Elimination Chamber is still the first one. Absolutely. I was Triple H, Shawn Michaels, Booker T, Kane, Y2J, and RVD. But again, it took the competitors kind of going into it blind. By the way, HBK with his earth tone pants. Oh, my God. Won that, won that event, which, by the way, is still one of the most iconic finishes in a match in WWE history. Triple H finished, his, he finished that match with a broken trachea. Where he's on his last leg, super kicks him, and falls on Triple H to pin him. It's, it's, it's just an awesome moment. So the point is, I feel like I'm rambling. The, the whole thing is, WrestleMania 21, you take it that it's the first that they kind of had to piece it together on the fly with all these talented guys. It set everything else up. I don't think there's been a better Money in the Bank match since 21. Maybe at some point it will be surpassed because they'll either have the talent and the planning and the spots and whatever. Who knows? Maybe this year's will be better. You never know because of all the talent that keeps getting better and the ideas and they've got the concept and now they have a semblance of a playbook. I realize I'm uh, shaking papers when no one can see them. But my point is, it's awesome. No, 21 is amazing. I mean, and to think of the quality of matches that were at WrestleMania 21 that year. You've got the two main events, which were John Cena and JBL, and then you've got Triple H and Batista. Not saying those were great matches, but the actual event of them was a big deal. John Cena and Batista were over like nobody's business. You had one of the greatest matches ever on display between Kurt Angle and Shawn Michaels that year. That night, I should say. You had Eddie Guerrero and Rey Mysterio have a fire of an opener. Shout out to Shelton Benjamin. Shelton Benjamin was in the ring with Edge, Chris Benoit, Chris Jericho, Kane, and Christian. Shelton Benjamin had no reason to be in there. And what the heck did he do, Ross? Stole the freaking show away from those five other guys. Mind you, those five other guys were amazing. Chris Benoit was that close to winning the Money in the Bank briefcase. And then Edge comes in, smashes him with like five chair shots on the shoulder, goes up the ladder, gets the briefcase, Obviously, we all know what happened with Edge at that point. He became a megastar, you know, cashed in on John Cena in 2006, waited about nine months. Oh, New Year's Revolution. New Year's Revolution. It was like one week after the new year. Um, John Cena had competed in an Elimination Chamber match, having last eliminated Carlito, and bada-boom, on this day, I see clearly. So let me ask you a real question. Please, and then, go ahead. And we'll wrap up the yes. show. Is it worse that John Cena beat Carlito to win a Elimination Chamber match or that Daniel Bryan beat Santino Morella? Okay, to be fair, <laughs> to be fair, Kurt Angle was the first person eliminated in that Elimination Chamber match due to a super kick from Shawn Michaels within like the first two minutes, which was ridiculous. And then, I mean... Kurt Angle then won the World Heavyweight title like three weeks later. I don't know how that happened. Uh, I'm pretty sure it's Daniel Bryan beating Santino by like a smidge. Because I love my boy Carlito because, you know, PR up in here all day. So it's biased. So it's Santino. But it's not very – yeah, no, I don't have really a good excuse. <laughs> Next week we will have our top five best money in the bank cash-ins. Oh, that'll be really Did fun. we already mention some of them? Hmm. You'll have to wait and find out. Uh, Jam-packed show. I have a very strong feeling we're not going to have the new segment that we had this week, next week. So we will do a three count next week. Uh, of course, match segment show. J-Man, very good to have you back. Thank I'm you, glad friend. that uh, you are uh, healing up from the sickness. I'm glad your family's feeling a little bit better. Appreciate that. And uh, things are going along smoothly. So double the Double Turn Podcast on Instagram, one and only J-Man19. Ross the Real Boss 85 is where you can find all of our Instagram accounts. And in the next few weeks, guys, uh, we have a hopefully a first. 
we hopefully will be able to go ahead and have a guest on our show uh, if we can go ahead and figure out all the logistics. Um, we plan on having a very special conversation with a fellow podcast member all the way from New York. Shout out to Gerard um, through the table podcast, the three T podcast on YouTube, um, and he's got his podcast on Spotify. Uh, hopefully, if we can figure out the logistics, we plan on having a very interesting conversation based on the John Oliver segment that he did on WWE the weekend before WrestleMania. So. Hopefully we can get him on the show, be able to figure all that out. Um, we're looking forward to doing that maybe a couple weeks after Money in the Bank. I just wanted to throw that in there, but it does feel great to be back. My man, as always, holding it down. I appreciate you, Roswell. That's going to do it for the Double Turn Wrestling Podcast. For the J-Man, this has been Boss Ross. We'll catch you on the flip side. <laughs>